I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-Minute Parenting Podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. I received a message from a parent recently who was looking for some advice and support about helping her child to become more interested in reading or moreover even being read too. She described how her eight-year-old daughter had no real interest in books, didn't seem to ever want to pick one up and read it herself. And while she had always endeavored to do bedtime reading uh, with her every night, she'd noticed recently her daughter disengaging from this. And when she reflected on it a little bit more with me, it wasn't even just that her daughter had recently disengaged, but actually had never been that interested in it. She described how even as a young child, when she would read to her, her daughter would be more interested in playing nearby. And certainly while playing nearby, what I understood was playing within earshot of the story being read. And after that, I noticed that it was a theme that kept coming up in another few um, questions that I was getting in around parents and reading. And it reminded me a number of years ago, the Irish Examiner did a study they reported on where they had interviewed Irish parents who work outside of home and asked them how many of them read bedtime stories to their children. And what that report showed was that 60% of parents reported being too tired at the end of the day to read a bedtime story to their children. Now, the context of that article at the time was really looking at children's literacy and how important bedtime reading is for children developing good literacy skills and good relationships to books. But more than that, what really struck me as interesting about it was that the bedtime story is such a great opportunity for parent-child connection. And I would go even further and say that if you do nothing else in your day except read a bedtime story with your child, then you are absolutely reaching the good enough is good enough because there's so much pro-social benefits to reading. I'm going to go back to the parents question and break down some of the specifics of it when we think about the practical things that we can do. But just to emphasize the importance of reading, that, you know, reading, when you think about it from a, your point of view as an adult, but also as a, for children, it's really like an exercise, like a workout for their brains. It helps to improve concentration. They have to stay focused and engaged on one thing from beginning to end. It teaches them to think about and wonder about and feel about the world outside of them and people outside of them. It helps to improve their vocabulary. Um, it helps to support language development. It won't achieve it in and of itself, but it certainly helps to support it. And I think in a really exciting way, it really nurtures the development of imagination. And I think that's something that's really magical for our children. And it's quite a small window that we do want to invest in is that imaginative play, that piece that they go through. If you've listened back to my previous episode on developmental play, you'll recall when I mentioned stage two play about narrative and storytelling, that there are so many pro-social benefits for children in doing that type of play. And reading is certainly in there. It also helps them to develop empathy because when they listen to stories 
stories about other characters, about other people, they have to begin to consider the story or the theme or whatever's happening from the point of view of each individual character. What might they be thinking and feeling? Why might they be doing what they did? And that's really good for supporting empathy. But more than any of this, it's fun. And it should feel like fun. Reading should not feel like a chore. It should not feel like something, oh gosh, I have to sit down and do reading. And I think sometimes that can happen for some children if it's something they're not naturally drawn to, if it's something they perhaps struggle with and they begin to associate it with schoolwork or homework and just something that they have to do X amount of pages or spend X amount of time doing, that kind of removes the fun. And there has to be ways of bringing the fun in because if it's not fun, why would you do it? None of us like to do anything that's not fun. And certainly our children don't. As well, though, I think, you know, I mentioned about this being a great opportunity for parents to have that moment of meeting and that true connection with their child. Because when you're reading together and you're snuggled up or you're sitting alongside each other and you're connected in the story, in the now moment, there is that opportunity for shared joy. And it's a true moment of meeting. And that's really beautiful in strengthening and enhancing, enhancing, sorry, the um, the parent-child relationship. But moreover, it's a great way to get the parental agenda across because let's be honest, there is a little bunny or bear or rabbit out there in storybook land having every life crisis known to child. So if you have to deal with some life transition, maybe it's about a death in the family, maybe it's about a house move, maybe it's about a new baby, maybe it's about parental separation, maybe it's about friendships, maybe it's about starting new schools, whatever it is, there is a range of books out there that cover that topic. And when you introduce the topic in this way, it can be much easier for our children to access the feelings associated with it for themselves because they're hearing about it, but from that removed level. So it's not that they have to talk to you about how they feel about it happening to them. They can talk to you about how it's happening to the character in the story and how might the character be feeling. And you could even wonder with them if this was you, what might that be like for you? And it's a great way of bringing them deeper into their process and strengthening their understanding of quite complex themes that are relevant in their lives. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. Do you know, I think as well as adults, when we have a child who maybe doesn't love reading or struggles with it or doesn't seem to be engaging with us as we're reading to them, Hit your pause button and think along the lines when we spoke, you know, in a previous episode I mentioned about therapeutic parenting and the parental self-audit. Do a little introspection now and ask yourself, how do you feel about reading now? Right now, as an adult, how do you feel about it? Is it something you do a lot of or very little of? Does your child ever get to look at you and see you reading a book? Or are they more likely to see us scrolling our phone or juggling a myriad of things that we have to do all at once? Do they see that reading is a pleasurable part of our lives? Is it a pleasurable part of your life? And if not, think about why not? What is it about books that don't engage you? And how might you have a shared experience with your child around that? Maybe cast your mind a little bit further back, though. And think back to when you did enjoy reading, even if you have to go a long way back to find that. Even if you love reading now, do the same exercise, but bring to mind 
When do you first remember discovering a love of reading? What was your favorite children's book? And why? How long is it since you've read that book? And why don't you acquire a copy or rediscover it in your house and reread it now? Not to your child initially, just reread it yourself and access again the feelings, the joy, the pleasure, the wonderment that that stirred up in you. And then bring that book with that frame of mind to your child and share with them that this was my favorite book when I was a child. I would love to sit and read it with you because they're much more likely to engage with something if they know it was part of your childhood. Our children love to hear about when we were little. It can be quite difficult for them to imagine we ever were. So they love those stories. Also, there's a lovely book actually that I read recently. It's really short, pocket-sized kind of book and it's by Catherine Rundle. And it's called Why You Should Read Children's Books Even Though You Are Old and Wise. Now, I'm not sure if we all identify with being old and wise, but her point is about how much pro-social and psychological benefits there are for adults reading children's books and not reading, you know, those crossover, um, you know, adolescent books that also appeal to adults, but reading actual young children's books. And in her book, She quotes W.H. Auden, who said, there are good books which are only for adults because their comprehension presupposes adult experiences, but there are no good books which are only for children. And I think that's so important. A good children's book is timeless. It's classic and it will always appeal. You know, I found myself in recent weeks um, reaching back for some of these books myself and not thinking too much about it at the time. But now that I was bringing to mind talking to you about reading, it occurred to me that I've recently started to reread a beautiful, wonderful book by Kate DiCamillo. It's called The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. If you haven't read it, you must. Because actually what I find with that book, while it's aimed at children and reading, kind of that middle childhood stage that book you could read it to a younger child but if you have an avid reader who's kind of that 9 10 11 age group I think they would really love this book but even as an adult I discover themes in it now that resonate stronger with me in adulthood than they ever did when I was a child and I think that's the beauty of a children's book that is timeless and classic and I think that that's something um, that it's it's a good exercise to do for ourselves. So pick your own book at various stages, the one that you loved being read when you were a very young child, the one you loved as a picture book flicking through and you remember loving the pictures, um, the one you, the series of books, you know, maybe when you were starting to do more independent reading. I know for me that would have been anything by Enid Blyton and boarding school themed at the time. I really romanticized the idea of boarding school and midnight snacks and all of the things that the girls would get up to in Mallory Towers or St. Clair's or, you know, up the enchanted tree uh, with Silky and Moonface and whoever else. So there was that phase of books. And then you you grow up with your themes in your books. So kind of map out your reading trajectory through childhood and then sit and reflect on what your own child's reading trajectory might be so far. Is it something that you've really created time and opportunity for at home? And if not, what can you do differently about it now? Just flicking back a little bit, though, to that parent who made contact about her child, you know, just being disinterested. And when she thought about it, you know, she'd said that her child was tended to play independently close by 
while she read a book, but never sat alongside her or showed any overt interest. I suppose what jumped out for me was playing within earshot of the story um, doesn't mean she's not interested in the story. I would say she is. And there's something about being able to process actively some of the themes through her play that could actually be really beneficial. I think that, you know, we have to make reading special and inviting. So you could make a reading nook in the corner of a room, some nice cushions, a, a fluffy blanket, curl up and read there, make a little reading fort under your stairs. As I said, and I think it's really important to repeat it, let our children see us enjoy reading. I think that's so important. I think if you've a reluctant reader, I think that, you know, there's hope for everybody to discover some way of enjoying books, be they graphic novels, be they comic books, be they short books, picture books, pop up books or story books. It doesn't matter. I don't think we should judge or put a hierarchy on what qualifies as a good book to read. Once they're reading books, let them. But offer audiobooks during the day, maybe when you're in the car traveling somewhere together. Let your children choose the book that they want to read. Join a library. There's such an amazing resource in our communities. And join a library and make a big kind of trip out of going and picking the books and returning the books and make it something special about spending time together. And I would say praise any effort our children put into the choice of book they make. Don't say, oh, that one, I think that's a bit babyish for you. Or that one, really? Didn't you read that before? That is not for us to decide. We just say, gosh, you spent time making a choice. You really want this book this week. And you go with that. I think that's really important. Um, now, you could also, though, take the books that they're reading, and particularly if you do notice they're rereading, and make an author game and say, OK, if you were the author of this book, what bit would you take out and what would you write into the story instead? And how would that change the outcome? And what would then happen to the individual characters? Or is there a character that you would write yourself to put into the book? I think that's a great way of really kind of getting them to talk to you about the themes and think about it deeper themselves. You know, I think you could also read a book together and then if there is a movie of that book, sit and watch the movie and do a compare and contrast. So what was different? What was the same? Which bit was enjoyed? Did that did the movie show it exactly like you pictured it or something different like that? Um, I think as well, there are lots of ways to do to do reading. And I mean to do reading, to make it more playful and engaging. There's a concept called story sacks. It's something that I've used in my own work uh, a lot with parents or families where literacy might be an issue and you tell the story rather than read it. But in a story sack, and you can look these up online, there are very expensive versions of them, but equally you can make one with a pillowcase, which is what I do at home. And in it, you put a copy of the book. So say, for example, it's the three little pigs. You put a copy of that book in. Then you put some props that support the story. So I might put in some twigs, some straw or grass, something like that, some building blocks. And I might have finger puppets of the pigs and a wolf so that we can play out the themes that emerge in that story. And then I might put in a nonfiction book relating to the themes. So I might put in a book about buildings or a book about, um, you know, bridges or something like that that's about structures and building and I might put in some kind of a card game with it that shows animals because there are animals in the story so you've basically got the book but lots of supportive reading material and props in your pillowcase and you tell play out enact the story it can be a great way of really sparking interest in stories books and exploring the themes so I think there's lots to do but I also think we can talk about books 
we can sing together, we can make up stories, all of which help literacy skills as well as books. But let's embrace reading. I think it's really, really important. I think it's a wonderful moment for a nice cuddle and connect. And I think it's something that is, you know, essential to children's development and growth, but also beautiful in the parent-child relationship. So try that this week. Try to embrace a book you once loved and learn to love it again together. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-Minute Parenting.